Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. An Erio's original. I never really had to think about being non-binary unless I was doing like a Beyonce dance on Instagram or like Halloween. Mm-hmm. I wasn't really experimenting with my gender a lot. When you're a mix, you're you're in between and you, you feel neither here nor there. You're not enough. And so somebody's saying, oh, we'll actually be able to identify you as Japanese. Let's cut your bangs. and go, okay, yeah, let's do it. Hi, I'm Margaret Cho. Welcome to The Margaret Cho, my podcast, where we... Talk to people that you already know and talk to people you should know. Here we talk to Jonathan Van Ness. He is incredible and uh, we caught him on his big tour, Road to Beijing, at the Wiltern and uh, he's amazing. Well, this is so exciting. This is our first podcast and now we're here with Jonathan Van Ness. Hi, Margaret. Hi, I love you. I love you. It's not a competition, but I might love you more. I, like, think, I think this is so amazing that we get to do this. I'm so glad that I get to. I know. It's amazing. And we're here at the Wiltern. Um, we're, we're here before your amazing show tonight, which is already sold out. And you've been touring all over the place. It's, it's such an incredible thing. And I just remember so many times, like, encouraging you to do stand-up comedy. And I remember I uh, was doing some stuff in Orange County, and I brought you on. Was it Irvine? I think it was Irvine. It was Irvine. Yeah. And I just brought you on stage. And... And you were just such a natural at it. But I just wanted to do your hair. I was so not ready for the comedic spotlight. I really wasn't. And I also remember <laughs> being like keenly unfunny and like... You were so funny. Well, I just... I really just wanted to do your hair and be around you. I oh. have always loved you so much. And I've always thought that your... That your your comedy is like what made me fall in love with stand-up comedy. I mean, I've told Ooh. you the story of how like Notorious CHO was like the first thing that I ever shoplifted because my mom would not let me get it. Ooh. And like my first... My first instinct when I receive an envelope full of white powder is to snort it. <laughs> I just won't do that next time. Yes. Because everyone was freaking out about anthrax. Yeah, that was that that that's right. And the G spot and the gotcha. Yes. Because you felt like it was like this thing that was never gonna be found. No. And your pussy eating bib. That's right. I literally could <laughs> recite Notorious CHO basically from it. like beginning to end. That's so it's one amazing. One of my favorite things of all time of like any genre. Mm. I love that. That's incredible. And this is so incredible that I get to, you know, be a part of the show tonight and watch you. And, you know, how does it feel doing this big tour everywhere? Because now people know you, of course, from Queer Eye. And now they're getting to know another side of you here. I mean, I think people who are also uh, fans of Game of Thrones maybe see glimpses of the comedian, of course. And also on the show, you're very funny. But what was it like to just kind of be out there with the show? When I very first started doing stand-up, like prior to the the tour, like Mm -hmm. when I really started getting into um, I did a couple like just shorter sets like at Caroline's and the improv in New York and LA like mm-hmm. where I just like had the chance to get up but no one really knew me yet from Queer Eye and it was like more like 15 minute sets and then I got the opportunity to do the like a tour with Hotels.com last year and it was just one of those chances of like it was a really exciting opportunity it was like I was like, I don't know if I can do 40 minutes. Like, I don't know if I can do 30 minutes. Like, I can't do, like, I don't know if I can do, like, an auditorium with, like, 3,000 people. Like, I think I might just, like, get out there and, like, shit my pants worse than the time when when I had the hot goat cheese salad from Bossa Nova <laughs> mixed with kombucha and then a <laughs> yogurt and a bong rip. But I was like, you know what? I'm always saying, like, on the show and to, like, friends that, like, go for it. Try it. Like, mm-hmm. You've worked for it, like, and 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 whatever your way was of getting there, just like go for it. If you get the opportunity, go for it. And so then it was like I just really been going for it, but I didn't want to like. I've I've had a fear of like that imposter syndrome that like other comedians that 
Oh yeah, of course. That, that's very that's a very real thing because I think that we're so used to being so self-deprecating in life and so used to also people shitting on us in life that when things go well, it's almost impossible to believe that it's really because it's we're so great. And it's that constant feeling that we're not enough, but we are. We're more than enough. Or that other people deserve it more. Right. Like other people that I look up to more or that are funnier or who have like worked harder like in that field like should deserve it first. And that was something that I feel like made me feel like I don't ever want my show to like not leave you. Like I want your core sore. Like I mm-hmm. want you laughing so hard. I want your face. Yeah. Sore. I want the back of your head. sore. like, I, I want everyone walking out feeling like, okay, like maybe he wasn't like getting booed out of open mic nights. And like, maybe like my, my path to this was different. Like I was a more of like a Mrs. Maisel, like except for instead of going to like the Upper East Side to like parties and practicing stand up, like I was doing it behind the chair. Cause really my right. sets are kind of like what I was doing, subjecting exactly. you to when you were forced to sit in my chair for all those hours. Which I always loved all the stories and even, even a single process color, you're talking about an hour and a half of material. So it's like really like, you know, you're, and you were doing a lot of balayage I mean, this was, you know, seven, eight years ago. So, you know, we're talking about highlights. We're talking about a lot of foil. Yeah. So this is like time for you to spend honing your act. And also you spent many years doing the wonderful Gay of Thrones, which is really very, very like cutting edge improv comedy. Can I just say like, I feel like I'm beaming with pride like so hard right now. Like watching you slay single process color. (laughs) Foils and balayage that seamlessly with like no prep whatsoever. Like that must be like how you feel when you see me doing good funny shit and you're just like, oh my God, I'm so proud. I'm so proud. Those salon terms just came like (laughs) rolling out of your mouth. Well, you know, I've had to fend for myself like Bear Grylls in the wild trying (laughs) to cover this gray, you know? (laughs) No, are you covering it now? We were so embracing it. We weren't giving a fuck before it, but is that why you're looking literally Benjamin Button? Because you do look 11 years old. Yes. I think I think so. And this you know. little sexy fucking fringe thing right here, this little like little Oh my su- edges? No, your little side swept little fringe right oh, here. Thank like, oh my you. god. It's really growing. It's growing. It's a bit of biotin, a bit of the bamboo silica. Do you which, still take her? Yes, I, I take her. Honestly, I really do sit stand by bamboo silica. I think yeah. that is like a really fierce thing that I noticed makes your hair stronger and grow faster. It does. And it's really helped it's it's helped me grow all this hair. So that's a really good feeling. So you thank like you for a that. Hairy, hairy woman. <laughs> It's nice. Yeah, it's I love really it. nice. I want to be a hairy woman. You are, uh, well, you are a non-binary, uh, lovely person. Lovely person. Now, do you think like, I mean, what what is the reaction to that? And that's just only in this past week, right? It's been really, 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 really supportive. Mm-hmm. And um, I had like more of a traumatic experience with gender is like as a child, mm-hmm. like any um, gender fluidity or. Um, female identifying like gender traits that I had as a child were like really, really like physically and verbally like discouraged. Yeah. Um, And, you know, it wasn't like a repeat thing because like, you know, my dad only needed to really see me in like evening gowns playing like Miss America with my cousins properly like once Mm -hmm. for him to like lose his shit. Mm. Um, And he has come really, really far now, but it took me like, I learned from that time that like I was still allowed to, to play dress up with my cousins, but like we had to have like an ETA of like when my dad would be coming in and like, you know, like not put on too much makeup. Cause like I needed to be able to get it off and like that stuff that mm. like a kid does not need to be like, you know, it just, it's not, it was not like a healthy, um, I didn't have like a really safe place to like experience my gender. And so right. it was like something that was like, Every year for Halloween, like I was like always like dressing in female clothes, like any any opportunity I had to like, you know, dress up in any way or like do anything that allowed me to express myself or express gender other than what was like, you know, put upon me like my whole life I took. Mm -hmm. Um, But I just don't. I think, first of all, when you do hair, like, you're covered in hair color all the time. Yes. And I was on my feet for 12 hours a day Mm -hmm. and I wasn't doing like that many like. Like going to like Halloween and like a Christmas party was like always my two big social events of yeah. like the year. Yeah. Um. So like just getting to like play with fashion or like me being the one who was like concerned with making myself look cute to go places mm-hmm. that didn't really start until like really when queer I started because you yeah. if you have like hairdresser friends you will know that like we are usually 
looking road hard and put away soaking wet because we're working. <laughs> right. You're servicing everybody else, but you don't have time for yourself. Yeah. I mean, you kind of do in the morning before you go. That was always like my me time was like in the morning and at mm-hmm. night. But that's also kind of why I was never really someone who was like going out a ton because right. I did kind of leave it on the dance floor like during the day. Yeah. So really, I, I, the only reason I'm saying this is because like I never really had to think about being non-binary. I always felt like I was a gay man and identified feeling like I was a man because for all of my 20s, it was like, unless I was doing like a Beyonce dance on Instagram or like Halloween, mm-hmm. I wasn't really experimenting with my gender a lot. Yeah. And, um, and I didn't really have to think about that a lot. And then when I started writing my book and, and you know, just having this experience in the last couple of years and realizing that like, I really want to wear women's clothes. I yeah. really want to wear heels. Yeah. I, that feels, you know, really, really organic to me, but also so does like, just dressing how I've always dressed and being how I've always been has always felt organic to me. Mm-hmm. And then recently, like in these last few months, like I started having like a lot of kids and like parents like asking me like, what are your pronouns? Like, how do you mm-hmm. identify? Like, mm-hmm. who are you? Like wanting me to like kind of pick, like to pick an identity. And yeah. I guess I just never thought that that was something that I needed to do. And then I realized that it was something that I needed to do mm-hmm. because I've never felt like I was like, a representative of a man the way that like a man was supposed to be not by peers not by gay men not Mm -hmm. by straight men like I've always felt like I was outside of like the constructs of like what male masculinity was supposed to be right um so you know I think especially in the gay community there's so much crazy toxic masculinity of like and femme shaming and like I'm not into femme men and it has to be mask for mask and which is such an antiquated thing and there's also a lot of like fake woke people who mm-hmm. love to like I call it fake woke but it's like it's it's mask for mask culture but like now they just know to like omit saying that yeah yeah um, yeah but yeah there's just like and if you are someone who's like non-binary or you are someone who's like not inside the doesn't fit the like rewardable constructs of gender it's like you're just kind of like instantly like tokenized and seen as like the best friend or like a confidant but like you're not allowed to be like the sexy one you're not allowed to yeah like like you're neutered somehow and I think that what it is is like with that fake woke thing is that I think some people who are queer take their queerness as sort of a badge of I can say whatever I want because I'm oppressed and it's not the case you know that we we really recognize a lot of these difficult things like toxicity in so many aspects of our queer culture because people just take it as a given like oh I can't possibly be this this and this because I'm already gay right yeah like and I I think I just like I didn't realize that like because like when you think about that whole thing like we're all so unique and different like everyone has experienced life in such a different way and like we're all individuals Mm -hmm. but then when it comes to like gender or sexuality in gender, there's three things that you like male, female, or trans, mm-hmm. which is like a newer, which is not, it's actually not new. Like gender is way more new than transgender. Like transgender yeah. and gender nine binary is like way older. Like we've been around forever. Mm-hmm. It's like gender is like a much newer construct. But I feel like socially, for my lifetime, I've seen like male and female mostly with with very under under upper under representation of trans, but I at least knew what transgendered meant. Yes. I didn't know what non-binary was. I didn't mm-hmm. know what like gender non-conforming was. Those are like much newer things. Yeah. So but when you think about that, it's like there's still like six shades that you could really fit into. And I just think that for as many and I didn't quote this, this incredible performance artist, non-binary performance artist named Alok, who you guys should follow and have on your podcast someday. They're incredible. Um, and they they identify as like he or she or they, which mm-hmm. I feel like I'm much more on that level. Like I'm like, call me whatever. I really yeah. don't care. Yeah. Like, um, but he said that like for as many different people as there are in the world, there are that many different ways to express gender and sexuality. That's true. That's very true. It's and, infinite. It's infinite. And we aren't really given that information. Mm-hmm. Like we're really trying to conform into these like two very rigid expectations when it comes to gender. Yeah. And yeah. So but the, the reaction's been so overwhelmingly positive. That's great. I have had like some random like hateful trolls, but the the positivity has been so much more than any sort of negativity. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I just I it has been the most amazing to have like parents of kids that were like me when I was five and six and that the impact that, that these last couple of weeks have made on them mm-hmm. that 
there is this like there are people that are thriving like you that are making that are like you that want to wear girl clothes that want to wear boy clothes that want to wear a purse but then they want to wear flats and they just want to be they but they want to be like she sometimes and they are also he it's just not it's just like a matter of like expressing like our energy yeah and it's really kind of a more accurate representation of who we are as human beings you know and then it is like a vast array of things we can be and identity isn't that it's so like gendered and so like I it gives me a lot of hope for the future the children it's always all about the children they're really I mean they're amazing all of them they're really they're just it's so I'm so sad that we've done all these terrible things to the earth and we have to give it to these children but if anybody's gonna fix it it's gonna be them oh I mean that is true Yes. That is the kids, the kids. And there's a lot of like young people, like there's a lot of like in your audience. I mean, I think that you do touch a lot of people who are young at heart too. I think my favorite uh, Queer Eye so far probably is the barbecue ladies. Oh my, I love the Jones sisters. (laughs) The barbecue ladies. They're killing it on Instagram right now. Oh my God. They're so like, it really, it really, um, I don't know. There was so, I mean, every single one I cry. You know, but it's so much that like it's just they really got I got I got so emotional about them. Um, well, the thing that I love about the Jones sisters is is just to the level in which they're crushing it. <laughs> like they're yes. just like crushing it like so hard. And they've taken this opportunity and like I, it reminds me of kind of like an Instagram shout out how, you know, like you can get like an Instagram shout out from like the biggest, you know, account ever. But if like your content ain't great, mm-hmm. like hey, their content's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. The content is slaying. We are slaying this content slaying right now. Slaying it. Like, they just did, like, a new summer flavor of that sauce, and I was gagged. <laughs> like, I was like, you guys are doing special edition flavors? We didn't even talk about that. Oh. Like, oh, my God. Like, they are giving me levels. They yeah. are giving me levels to this shit. They are doing merch. Yeah. Get, uh, an, an entrepreneur makes me... It literally makes you want to like get up off this chair and like flip it over and run outside. Yeah. I love an entrepreneurial spirit. Oh my God. And the the fact that they, I think it shows the deep gratitude that they felt that you all took such time and care to really change their lives. I mean, in a very significant way. And I think that, I mean, to me, that's what's so meaningful about the show. And also what's meaningful is it actually the show really brings people together who wouldn't necessarily be so. You know, like these very like religious people, these very um, people that we just don't necessarily meet on a daily basis out here in California and in Los Angeles or in New York. So that's that's powerful. Yeah. I mean, that's been the most like kind of um, like that just is it's not been normal for me living in New York or L.A., but like I come from a town of like 36,000 people like on the Mm -hmm. Mississippi River, like every single person that we've interacted with has been someone who like I've gone to school with, who I've I've done their hair, I've. Like, none of these people have, like, moved a hair on my head as far as, like, saying something I haven't heard before. Yeah. Or, like, feeling judged in a way that I haven't ever felt judged in before. Mm -hmm. Like, so, I think it's, like, there is such a, like, polarized nature in the country right now and really, frankly, in the world. And I think it is important to be leery of the impulse to, like, wash your hands of someone completely because Mm -hmm. you ideology or idea like your ideology is not the same Mm -hmm. because especially if you do want to change hearts and minds you have to meet people where they are and that is really hard to do Mm -hmm. because when we are passionate and strong people and opinionated people like it's hard to do that and I really struggle I really struggle um I have struggled with that mightily like with friends of my family and people who I just you know, I've tried to meet them where they're at. And I'm like, well, you're at like a racist fucking shitty place. Yeah. And I'm not really going to try to fuck with you anymore. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't go in saying that. Yeah. Like I tried for years. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and and if someone's a shitty person, like a racist shitty asshole, which this one person like really sticks out in my mind who's like a friend of my family who really grinds my gears and like, like I really loathe them. Um but I'm never going to change them because yeah. they literally suck like yeah. really, really badly. And they have like a lifetime of like trauma and fake news that's mm-hmm. making them believe these like stupid idiot things that they believe. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do believe that there's other people who can change and who can grow. And I actually think as long as you're breathing, you're capable of changing for the better. Mm-hmm. But I'm not going to be the one that's going to bring that that change into that person's life. Right. But that doesn't mean that you can't try with like other people. Yeah. Um. Yeah. 
yeah. I think it's like approaching with a lot of kindness and a lot of understanding. And then I, I think like it's always really remarkable because you, and you've always done this, you really see the, the hotness in somebody and like bring it out, which is so special. Like because people don't see it. It's like they don't see that in themselves. But then you like kind of, you, you shine your light on it and it makes a huge difference. It's like, oh, they recognize it. And they're like, oh my God, I have this. This is great. And it's powerful. Thank you. Yes. That's like the nicest fucking thing anyone's like literally ever said to me. <laughs> I love it. Oh my god. But it's powerful, you know. Thank and, you. And it's like they see that they can maintain, and you always show them how, like an easy way to maintain it. Well, but I'm I am a stoner, so I like easy. <laughs> yeah. Like I like easy. Mm-hmm. I like natural. Mm-hmm. I also just like hate like. I hate taking off, like, a ton of makeup if it's, like, a ton, a ton, a ton. Like, every day. Like, a special occasion is one thing. But, like, and no shade to people that love to wear so much makeup because it's so much fun if that's, like, your thing. But, like, let me – let's just do this as quickly and elegantly and gorgeously as possible Mm -hmm. so that we can go, like, listen to music and dance or, like, sit on the couch and watch TV or, like, hold Mm -hmm. your cat or go shop or, like, figure skate or whatever. Yeah. Oh, and skating. Oh, my God. So obsessed with skating right now. Oh my God, skating. I love the skating videos and I love that you have forged a great friendship with Michelle Kwan. I... Now, that's the stuff of dreams. What's she like? Have you ever met? you never met. We've only talked over Insta and over, you know, I mean, just like through social media. But of course I'm obsessed. I'm obsessed. She's amazing. Um, I... Yeah, it's like weird, like... I don't watch her programs, like, any less, <laughs> like, since we become <laughs> friends. Yeah. Um, like, literally, like, her 2000 Worlds long program is, like, what I watch when I need to pick me up. Yeah. Like, every day. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, like, love her so much. Yeah. Uh, but the thing about Michelle is that, like, like, she's, like, a really good friend. And yeah. she's a really smart person. And I just, like... Yeah, I really just don't – I just can't even believe – like, I can't even believe. I really can't believe. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. I mean, who's the most exciting person that you've got to meet so far? Like, what do you think, like, yeah. I gag the hardest for for Olympians. Yeah, of course. Um, um, Yeah, you got to gag on them. Like, Lori Hernandez, Mm -hmm. Ali Raisman, Mm -hmm. um, Michelle Kwan. Mm -hmm. Like, those were all people where, like, I – a karate. Yeah. Like, yeah. to their faces. <laughs> like, I couldn't Just even... Right in their face. Yeah. Like, when I met Lori Hernandez, like, it was as if, like, the Holy Spirit backhanded me, and I did, like, three <laughs> Shanae turns, like, across the room into a wall and started crying, and her mom was there, and, like, I could tell that her mom thought I was, like, a psycho, like, super fan, and I was like, I'm sorry, I just, like, I love you her so much. And, like, mm-hmm. her beam routine in 2016 <laughs> was, like, I just... And... Mm, mm, what is it though that gets you there? Is it the 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 physical excellence? Is it the the knowledge of what it takes to do that? You know, for it's like a, all of that. Yeah. I also love like a snatched fucking sleek pony. <laughs> like I love like a snatched mm-hmm. tight ponytail. You know mm-hmm. that about me. I, yeah. Um. I just the excellence, the comp- and just that like I can't do like I worked so hard to be able to learn how to do a back handspring. Yeah. Like. They are not doing back handsprings. And also, I just love, like, the artistry and the grace and the precision and, like, the pageantry and, like, just the exacting nature. And also, this is what I, like, love to hate about it is that, like, well, I think it's what makes it so titillating to watch is that, like, you have to work, like, three hours a day, seven days a week for your whole life to get to that level. Right. And if you have one bad day, Mm -hmm. like, one bad skate, like, one bad minute and a half, Mm -hmm. one bad vault. Yeah. Like what you have been, what you have worked your whole life for, like to this moment, it just, that is like a level of like commitment and like faith and like work ethic that like, I just think is incredible. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it it is incredible. And also to deal with all of that at that such a young age, you know, and from such a young age. Especially with the Olympics. Cause like, you know, the NBA or like the, like, you know, all these like heteronormative, like sports, like. Even, like, ones that I love, like tennis. Like, you get to go to the Wimbledon every year. Mm-hmm. You get, like, you know, and it's, like, that's, like, a whole tournament. You know what I mean? And, like, same with basketball and, like, baseball. It's, like, if you fuck up one game usually, like, you will get, like, another chance. And even if you do fuck up that chance at the championships, the next year you're going to have, like, I just feel like figure skating and gymnastics are so unforgiving. Right. 
There's right. It's so all you. It's all you. And it's so competitive. Right. And I just look up to like a gorgeous figure skater, a gymnast so much. I love it. Oh my God. It's so great. What do you stand for? Like what's your... Like, what, what do I stand for? I mean, probably like British crime shows. Which Ooh. <laughs> so like, did you love the bodyguards so good? Were you oh, just, like, I haven't so, started the bodyguards. What? I ruined the couch that was in my apartment in Kansas City because of the bodyguard. My vagina was... Was it torn? Did you have to have Niagara like a sewing kit? Did you have to like sew it back up? Like, I mean, <laughs> you know Rob Stark's in it. Oh yeah, he's the main character. I love it. I oh, love and it. there is this fucking like taboo affair girl Ooh. that is like not that taboo. It's just hot. Yeah, yeah. Ugh, you, girl, I, you I are going to. to. You are going to. Wow. Do you watch Broadchurch? Yes. That's yeah. what I'm, I'm like heavily standing on Broadchurch right now. My mom is like really like, my mom can't even like talk to me about like if I'm like okay or not right now. Yeah. Like because of Broadchurch. Yeah, I can't. I mean, it's just so, I, I, I really stand, I think, Olivia Coleman. My mom is either complaining about how much I don't answer the phone now or ignoring my calls <laughs> watching Broadchurch. Yeah. Like when I can talk. It's an older lady jam. She loves it. Okay, first of all, neither of you are old ladies. Second mm. of all, yeah, people are just obsessed. <clears throat> Question, as a, as a Game of Thrones guest, What did you think? I think it's like, you know, for me, it's just so, it's so, all of it is so much to take in. All but you of watched it, it this whole time, right? Yeah. And it's just like, I feel like it's, to me, it's like, it, it, I, I feel like it's like not over. Like to me, it just sort of, it was, it was, it's, it's literally over. It's over, but it was like, it didn't, it, it was, to me, it just sort of like, this seems open ended to me. Wow. No, I don't feel like that. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. Do you feel like? But aren't you gonna miss doing it? I mean, I feel oh no, like, I'm gonna. Yeah, I'm gonna miss doing it. But I feel like I got like. I feel like I got like. I feel. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna really give you my like. This is really okay. how I feel. Okay. Like I am not happy with that ending. Mm-hmm. Like I think that they were. It was beautifully acted. They yeah. all the actors did the best that they could with what they were given. Mm-hmm. I am really hoping that those books make sense. And give it the nuance that that last season did not have the time to mm-hmm. give it that the earlier seasons. So those earlier seasons were nuance central. Yes, like nuance, that's true. detail central. Mm-hmm. Obviously, because of the nature of television and like, you know, storytelling, like it couldn't, like it just couldn't go that way because they didn't have the time to mm-hmm. do that. You know, this year was six episodes and which was, you know, fine. But I just, for me, Gwendolyn and Cersei. Yeah. Like those two endings in particular mm-hmm. are. I think just like I cannot believe that that was how Cersei's last day went down. Mm-hmm. Like I can't believe that she got crushed, like complaining about wanting to save her baby. Right. And I like she should have been getting railed by Jamie in the mm-hmm. ass. Yeah. Like they should have been fucking yeah. under a column on a yeah. boat. They should have escaped on a boat and been having anal sex with like deep like hardcore porn, mm-hmm. like shots of that. Yeah. And then had everyone see them and then <laughs> like got shot by flaming arrows, like on yeah. the like on the canoe escaping from King's Landing. Like real Valhalla style. Yes, like there, there should be very Norse yes, ending. Yeah. But not by the dragon because like she was distracted, like the unsullied or something. Like mm-hmm. I, they just needed like a more, no, 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 not, not the unsullied. I need something more. That's like a, the dumbest thing I've ever said. Like, like a really more poetic, like baby Kristen Stu- yeah, baby Kill Bill, mm-hmm. literally just murdering the fucking shit out of them. Yeah, and then for fucking Gwendolyn, why did she really write him out in history so nicely? Mm-hmm. He mm-hmm. did her so dirty, and right. she gave him such a glowing Yelp review. I know, I know, I know. But it's also like very like a metaphor for actual death because we can't choose our death. It's like not nobody's gonna have a hero's ending, even though this is supposed to be about you know, mythology and, you know, revenge and everything. It's like the way that death is, it is kind of an equalizer and we can't choose and it'll just come. That's sort of what I kind of thought, like, this is like really like, it gets a very, in a very deep way. Like we don't have the right to choose a storyteller's um, motive behind, you know, what they do. Even if they're like 99% men. (laughs) Well, yes, yes. I mean, it, you that's know, there's really a lot of things we have to fact- you, Margaret. That's really grown up of you. And I have to say, <laughs> I'm already feeling a little bit more at peace about it. But what do you, what have you say about Gwendolyn? It's, I, you know, and I also if have you so had many had, feelings about her anyway. If Brother D had dicked you down like that, mm-hmm. for the, then taken your V card, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then got on a horse and left the next day. It's just so wrong. And then after all that stuff went down, and then you get on that old ass hocus pocus spell book. <laughs> 
you're really gonna write you're really gonna be like he was a great fighter and like he was a great person I know after the Yelp review you would have thought I mean but you know it's like she that that goes back to like Egret, like when Egret was real dick drunk. Do you remember when you were you were talking about you know Egret and Jon Snow and her like face I and do how know she about dick drunk. yeah I know dick about drunk. drunk like yeah. she's just like dick the endorphins still the endorphins the d- dick and then he's face. dead and, and then, then she was like permanently stuck there yeah so I mean it's like if you're dick whipped you're going to write those kind of Yelp reviews if you're he just dick- was taken away from her yeah but if you're dick whipped it's like you can't um, justify it because if you're dick whipped you're dick whipped at all times even until death. I just couldn't believe. I know. I know. Who's going to fuck her now? <laughs> it sucks. Did you see what we wrote, what we thought she should have written on Gay of Thrones? I know. If you press pause, like we we did like a CG insert on that book. Because you know like that last scene when she's writing his history for him mm-hmm. in the book? We wrote something to the effect of like, sorry that you couldn't handle the sweet snap back of my snatch and that, <laughs> and that I couldn't make you... Come as hard as your sister, um, <laughs> you fucking skank. Mm. Something like that. Yeah, so much better. We were angry. I mean, yeah, if you have to be. But I love that you weren't. I love that you were just like really like, you're in this place of like accepting what is. and <laughs> Like really accepting and really zen. You just have to like be very accepting. Which is why you literally look like you're like turning 13 next That's week. good. I just might be. I think you are. I'm obsessed. I love you. I have to go and I love you so you much. Have to, you, you have to. Thanks for having you, me. You I have love to go you. and I love you. Thank you. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Here's my conversation with Katie Malia, who is a dancer, who is a writer, who is a comedian, who is a YouTuber, who is so many things. Have a listen. I went to a past life regression therapist. Her name was Bella. And uh, it was in the 90s and she was in her 90s. So she was about 94. And uh, so she told me that uh, since I have a lot of arguments with my father a lot, we bicker our whole lives. And um, she says it's because this is my first lifetime as a woman. I've been a man up until now. Wow. And that through several lifetimes, my father and I had been... um, soldiers fight on different sides fighting so we had been on in several different wars opposing each other uh for many centuries and so that now it was time for our karma to be worked out where we're actually going to be in a family together whoa so um and then i was like oh i guess that kind of makes sense yeah but it's like those past life things are just i'm like i don't even know what to believe but it's it was like oh that's kind of legit like she wasn't telling me oh you were cleopatra Right. Oh, you were Anne Boleyn. <laughs> like, there was none of that. Like, because it's always when, you know, you talk to people about past lives, there it's real delusions of past life grandeur. Mm-hmm. Like, nobody's just some dude. No, you're just, oh, I felt like I would have just been a commoner. <laughs> yeah, well, I was a soldier, so I'm like, I'm just some dude. My dad's just some dude, but we, like, fought for several centuries. Wow. In different wars. So your father was always a man. Yeah. And then he, he's still a man in this lifetime. And then so... Um, but my father also has quite a lot of uh, feminine qualities in that he's a rather vain man. He's kind of very like he was like a real early um, metrosexual. Mm-hmm. So he always has uh, very, you know, he's very good looking. So he's got that kind of he sort of preens. Right. He loves male attention. Uh-huh. Um, he bought a gay bookstore so he could be, uh, you know, showered. With male mm-hmm. attention in the seventies from gay men, mm-hmm. so you know. But do you, so? Do you feel like you were a commoner uh, because of? No, I I feel that had something to do with music. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe I was an opera singer or something because there's just s- some some deep visceral connection. But almost uh, when when music comes on, I have an out of body experience. Now, when did you first discover the ecstasy of movement? Well, I started dancing when I was five, but that was all formally. Mm-hmm. So it was formal training, which I hated. I hated the tap dance the class mm-hmm. that I was in. And mm-hmm. so um, I would say it was 
it was actually fairly recent in terms of my art, but like all growing up, going to clubs and I was on the dance team at school. Ooh. And so I think um, it was more of a transitioning as I was finding my own voice, mm-hmm. that levitation became stronger and stronger and stronger. And I became more conscious of it. So I kept wanting to plug into it. Yeah. But I was dancing when I was five and drawing at a super young age mm-hmm. with music. So I also think that just the form of holding a crayon mm-hmm. is a dance in itself. Yeah, yeah, because for sure. The, because the music or the f- act of the physical movement you just, you're, it's like a physical movement, but you have a crayon in your hand. And so that makes this line here. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's that's an incredible thing. Like, it, it is a kind of dance. And then everything yeah. actually is a dance. Yeah. Everything is a movement and a dance that you're sort of in, that sort of whatever it is. Yeah. But that's cool. If you want to take it into, like, a godlike perspective, the cosmos and the dance of the universe. And, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's highly addictive. Mm-hmm. And then you're <laughs> yeah. but you're dancing like also for your work, so you can you can use it to get somewhere. Yeah, great, pay me. Yeah, <laughs> you're getting I, there. I get paid to plug into another reality. It's powerful. It's amazing. I don't th- I don't know. Like it, I mean, I feel like most dancers feel the same way though. Most dancers seems to get to that sort of like ecstasy of like, wow, this is yeah. Really until it becomes well. I, here's a nice. The nice thing is that yeah, I'm getting paid to do it, but I did go through a period of time for ten. years years when I was dancing professionally that it just was a job mm-hmm. and I started to really hate it yeah because I because you're just being told to do choreography that you don't want to do right. and everyone's yelling who's got choreographers yelling at you and you're mm-hmm. getting yelled at because you're pulling too much focus and it's about mm-hmm. the celebrity and it's about the pop star who yeah. you're dancing around and then it just became a job and I yeah. really started to hate it yeah. but actually you know what the awakening was was Ryan Heffington Oh, wow. Yes, yep. yes, yes. Yeah. I love him. Yeah. Yeah. Starting to dance with him. Yeah. And that's when I went, holy, sh- that's my third eye opened. Well, I mean, he um, puts the body into these shapes and these sequences that are so um, intuitive and primal. Mm-hmm. Like, is this beautiful? Well, yeah. yes, but it's also startling mm-hmm. and arresting mm-hmm. and scary. Yeah, and he also marries pedestrian moves that we do every single day Mm -hmm. and making that as a dance. So you can place like... Like you're eating something with a fork, but mm-hmm. if you put it in the context of the dance studio, what is that? Then all of a sudden it becomes something else and you're not actually holding a physical fork. Yeah. So he's really brilliant in marrying things that we do every single day mm-hmm. that makes you think, oh, life really is a dance. Yeah. yeah, I recently co-choreographed this performance art at the Museum of Contemporary Art last month at the Giffen Contemporary for their mm-hmm. 40th anniversary. And these two artists, Alora and Calzadilla, had my friend Maceo and I choreograph this handshake. Mm-hmm. for the board of directors and the employees of the MOCA to welcome all these 700 guests. And there was like Keanu Reeves and Courtney Love and all these guests coming down. And what we what I had to do is had to place the performers just doing a handshake. And it was super fascinating to see how a handshake could become an, an introduction or it could be confrontational. Mm. So how people reacted to it. But it was just the handshake. And the yeah. handshake became a dance. Yeah. Super fascinating. That's and the re- repetition of just extending your hand. Yeah. And also how people squeezed it or got really grossed out or or a power trip. Like this one guy put all of his fingers in between mine and then squeezed. I could Ooh. feel his gold fingers. And I was like, this is super super fascinating the power dynamics between just a handshake i hate that when they shake your hand and they put the finger in the middle and tickle your palm oh i didn't get it. i'm like what no that's the yeah. worst yeah that's gross or they Are hold still doing too- that? yeah or they hold your hand too long yeah or they or i got a lot hand- of wilted i got a lot of oh, a lot of a weak handshake yeah it was weird and eye contact was super fascinating too oh, i got yeah. a lot of non-eye contact Oh, that's weird. When yep. people like don't look, when yep. they look at your eyebrows or they look at your forehead, they don't yep. look in your eye. That's really weird. Yeah. yeah, they were scanning anywhere but my eye. But there were also 20 of us that they were, the guests were going down each person. Mm. Yeah. So by the time they got to me towards the end, I think they were just tired of it. They. <laughs> I think after that, also, I'm such a germ freak. I would be washing my hands that forever. Too. Yeah. yeah, you, you learn have a to. lot about people. I'm such a germ freak. But you have to, you got to. My hands are so dry because I'm constantly washing. Because it's like the the tactile, like everything dirty is coming from your hands because that's where you're you're connecting to the world Mm -hmm. with your hands. Yeah. But it's also a very Western thing. Mm -hmm. So 
if you mm-hmm. go to Asia, no one really hands you, or let alone hugs. They are really no. I know yeah, nobody culturally. does. That's why I love that uh, Keanu Reeves, like when he takes pictures with women, it's that weird like respect women hand, right? Where it's, it's the Barbie just, hand. It's the Barbie hand. It's like mostly like also in Korea. Usually in Asia, when they take pictures with you, they'll they'll put their arm kind of around, but they will it'll be like floating on. Uh-huh. Not touching, yeah, which is so great. I appreciate that. Like, don't be all touching on people. Yeah, no, so respectful. So, oh, also just Keanu. I let him. I, I would know. let him put his hand on me. Well, he's one of those guys. Like these, this is very important as it relates to you. Mm-hmm. The uh, the beauty of the hapa, the beauty of the the biracial or more than bi, but mm-hmm. it's also the 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 because my feeling about hapa is like you take the best things of both ethnicities and you marry them together mm-hmm. always it happens right you know and it's, it's an idealization mm-hmm. it's like uh, like the perfect person is created when two people are coming of different backgrounds come together yeah yeah and i feel very fortunate to have two completely different cultures and appreciations i'm going to japan in less than two days oh and just to be able to leave this country where i have my white side of my family Mm -hmm. and then go to a completely different one and still feel at home it's beautiful it's super cool i just love the convenience stores company And I'll 7-Eleven and Family Mart. Family Mart. That's I love balls. a combini. I know. I love any combini, like anything with like a red bean and mm-hmm. uh, like a mochi cake combini. I'll FedEx something. I love. I FedEx food overnight. It's You're so not good. supposed to do it, but I used to do it. It's so good. Now, where are you <laughs> going to work? No, I'm going for fun. Wow, where are you yeah, going? Yeah, I'm going to Tokyo, Osaka, Hiroshima, Fukuoka, Izu, and Zushi. <gasps> I'm going all over. My favorite is Fukuoka. People always like overlook it, but Fukuoka is actually the best. Oh, because I've it's, never been. Um, well, it's where mentaiko comes from, which is my favorite food. Okay. Which is the cod row, spicy cod row eggs. Okay. That are like, they kind of look like these blobs, the pink yeah. blobs yeah. that they sell in the department stores. Mm-hmm. So good. Um, and uh, it's just like the food is amazing. The people are really friendly. Because it's like... The South, so everybody's just, just super like, just excited that you're there. It's not like I think Tokyo, Tokyo. There's so many people, right? And there's so many tourists, and it's just such a throng, and everybody's just trying to get where they're going, mm-hmm. and it can be very isolating. But Fukuoka, there's a kind of like a country feeling to it, even though it's not. It's an urban city, very big city. But there's just something very, um, very warm about it. It's a little yeah. small town, which is like. Not like it's it's definitely a big city, but it, there's a there's a sense of that. I have a sense of that. Yeah, feeling. But well, I that's it. where my mom's family's from. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. So, I've never been, so I'm super excited. It's so exciting. Yeah. I mean, it's just like so you did you go around like bullet train and yeah. I love it. Yeah, just get on the train and go. Oh, it's so, so fun. It's so fun. The trains are so... I mean, we can't even get a bullet train from here to San Francisco. I know. Wouldn't that be amazing? <laughs> yeah, it would be amazing how much money is being poured into that. We can't even do that. And then Japan's already working on a train that goes 300-something miles per hour. That would yeah. be an hour between Tokyo and Osaka. It's, it's sitting on magnets, and it's it's just incredible. It's like an I airplane. I love Osaka, too. Yeah. There are a lot of comedians come from Osaka. Mm. They're, more, they're more loud and yeah. they're um, they're funny and have a lot more personality. And Tokyo's like New York City. Yeah, Osaka's kind of Osaka's like the um, the mill town or like yeah, the, it's like real working class. Um, so the heavy goth presence. Yeah, a lot of goths in Osaka, you know, and <laughs> and just like the there's. Um, yeah, there was Dotonbori, which is like the big, so you see the Glico Man and the Neon, mm-hmm. and then um, all of the big, like, sort of crabs that are, like, automated, like, mechanical crabs for, to show the restaurants. Right. And then um, I went down, I, I got, I, I was raining, and I was trying to, I didn't have an umbrella, so I was trying to run down to find uh, some shelter, and I ran down into this um, weird apartment building that was kind of a mall, and I found this goth store that was closed, but it looked looked like a hell mouth it was all these skulls and all these like and that's like a candle burning and there was like you knock on the store and like maybe we'll answer we're not sure and i was so scared i wanted to go in so bad and then i tried to find it again and it i couldn't find it so i feel like it doesn't exist i was gonna say you have to tell me where it is but it sounds like it was <laughs> maybe it's kind of um it was a port- it- another portal <laughs> <laughs> it's near america murrah which okay. is the um, sort of like where they have like sort of like the Western like vintage stores. Right. And um, well, I was going to say that does sound very Western because yeah. Japanese are very superstitious. Yeah. And they have a lot 
lot of, they have a lot of um, ghost stories. Mm-hmm. And so the goth with the skulls and things doesn't seem to be very Japanese. No, which is also, um, but that's why it sort of was like surprising. Yeah. But um, I guess, I think one of the things about that that ghosty thing is like because it's an island nation mm-hmm. maybe it's that the sort of spirits reside there because they can't get off because it's all water around interesting yeah you know like there's yeah. always like these ghosts that are in the bathroom that's a major thing like if you go to the bathroom at night <laughs> there's like a ghost in there like if you I don't know the exact story, but right. there's something like that. Oh, I have to remember that. <laughs> yeah, there's some kind of like, I don't know, these are all sort of like my J-horror. I love J-horror, uh-huh. so that's that kind of thing of like, I always think, oh, there's something. This is going to be like a really pay a little boy. Yeah, in the, the bathroom. bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> something yeah. scary. Yeah, well, I'm going to Izu Peninsula, which is where the ring, mm. the legend of the ring came mm-hmm. from yeah so mm-hmm. we'll be keeping my eyes out for a well I or know. maybe i'll just get a little white nightgown and start running around you would, start I would freaking get the people in bed with people i love the when the then then when they are in the bed and then the, you look under and there's like the lady like looking at you and yeah. from under the covers that's the yeah. scariest i'll get I'll, I'll get a super long nasty ratty black wig and yes. white yeah i'll just start running around barefoot and then you have to like be crawling on the ground that's the other thing yeah. is the the movements are really weird that's of where the my ghost. dance comes in See, yes everything is everything is coming together for this moment yes. when I go to Izu. The dance of like <laughs> the weird like l- the ring lady but she because she's crawling kind of on her elbows. Yeah. Uh, I got something to do when I'm over there. Yeah. You gotta go be the ring ghost. Yeah. And the <laughs> Yeah. So you're there so you're going to be traveling mm-hmm. and then sort of taking a little bit of a, a breather yeah. I guess from because you work so much all the time. Uh, it's a lot. I yeah. wear a lot of different hats. And always traveling and always Yeah like, you have to. Because it's the dance that takes you everywhere. It is. Yeah, the last time I was in Japan, well, let's see, this is the third time in a year. So I was there last September. I went to Naoshima and Teishima, which are the art islands just mm-hmm. south of Osaka. And then I was there in February doing a film, a dance a dance film. Mm-hmm. So that was an incredible experience to be able to, well, it was also freezing, but um, dancing all over Tokyo. So yeah, I'm constantly Again, this I think it's really that plugging in mm-hmm. to getting out of the stress of real life yes. and reality. I'm like, what else can I do? Let yes. me do this. Let me do this music show. Let me do this stand up show. Let me do this choreography. This, yeah, and also writing. Yeah, you're doing a lot of a really really funny writing and great script writing and great like YouTube YouTube stuff and yeah. it's phenomenal so there yeah. are lots of things happening yeah a lot of things happening the web series is expanding into a yeah. half hour wow yeah i have a feature i wrote with my brother the half would shoot here and half would shoot in japan mm-hmm. so a lot of different a lot of different fingers and different pies but i again i think it's that constant search for a levitation yeah and and getting there and also uh building a space to talk about hop a life to talk yeah. about being biracial, talk yeah. about this kind of identity, which I think is, it's misunderstood a lot. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's something like we don't hear that perspective ever. Right. And I think it's 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 misunderstood, but it's, I, I don't think the conversation has been expanded enough to where people, people now are just starting to hear about the word HAPA or even the next, I think the next wave of our HAPA kids that are having their quapas. <laughs> So I think oh. it's like the next, that's also the next wave. Yeah, there's um, there's been an incredible opportunity f- for that conversation in the comedic space because it really was in the academic for most of the time and it still kind of continues to be with a lot of psychology professors mm-hmm. and let's talk about the mixed race identity. and mm-hmm. But I wanted to approach it t- from a place that A, just resonated with my voice and to make it more digestible, which for me is to find the funny. Yeah. And then I slap people across the face with the truth. I'm yeah. like, let's make you laugh and then they go oh 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 i haven't in having an understanding or an, an awakening about this identity that i haven't thought about before or what it's what it's like for people in interracial in interracial couples what that experience is like right i mean yeah. it's, i think it's a very effective way to get people to understand well, you know yeah yeah but it's Just also a bit <laughs> yeah but in comedy like if you're talking about race it's actually you can really neutralize any anger that people would have about it mm-hmm. by using comedy yeah and your gift is actually doing these very serious topics but it's so so 
silly and ridiculous. Yeah. Which I think is really great. Yeah, it's silly and ridiculous, but then but then the reality sets in afterwards mm-hmm. when people realize it. I mean, I was on set a couple of months ago and the, <laughs> the producer sits me down in the makeup chair and she goes, so the client's asking if you can if we can cut your bangs to look more Asian. I was like, well, my bangs are cut. They're, I already have bangs. She says, no, more like Maria Kondo, just kind of straight across. And I was thinking this, and this is also 2019. Mm-hmm. You know, this is something that you can't, A, you can't really get away with, but I'm also of mixed race. So this isn't, we're pushing the conversation beyond right. the black and white yeah. into the gray area where I would like to have that in an episode. Yeah. Like, that's such it, a weird question. Though. It like, is super weird. We want you to be more like a uh, sort of a it's not like a stereotype exactly but we want to emphasize this racial kind of archetype sure in your hair oh well yeah maybe i'll do that i'll i'll feel more of a sense of belonging yeah because when you're a mix you're you're in between and you you feel neither here nor there you're Ooh. not enough and so if somebody's saying oh we'll actually be able to identify you as japanese let's cut your bangs and go <laughs> okay yeah let's do it because i'm tired of being misunderstood right or or people don't know where to place me and that gets really exhausting and then it turns into self-hatred yeah it's so it's awesome it's so <laughs> exhausting I can't have bangs. I don't have enough hair on my crown. But I think... Oh, I need them. They're my forehead curtain. (laughs) Well, bangs are really... It's a province of the young. (laughs) When you're young, you can have bangs. I think it looks looks great on you. But I think it's just a weird thing to, to kind of think about, like somebody wanting you to cut them because it sort of makes it more sure. of a racial identifier. Sure, but if you're, you, people don't know how to place you, then then the subject is going, okay, y- yeah. Mm-hmm. And then it and then it hit me later. Well, it didn't hit me. I mean, because I've been doing the series and I've been having this sense of biracial wokeness for at least five years now that yeah. I've been doing the web series. Yeah, it really pissed me off. But five years ago or before then, I would have jumped at the opportunity. Yeah, 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 let's do this. And then, were you playing Marie Kondo? Or? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, they just gave me a Marie Kondo haircut. No, yeah. no, it was it, it was a job for Japan. Mm-hmm. So, in order for me to feel like I, the demographics, I can, mm. could relate to somebody who's has a haircut that looks like me. And I understand the power of representation. But then why don't you just cast a full Japanese for Or why yeah. Why does it even matter? Because there's people of all different races in different countries. It's really more about the culture. Like, I want to get beyond the discussion of race and push it into culture. Yeah. Because, yeah. Yeah, you know, you have the first Japanese drafted... Um, he's half black and he's half Japanese and he was just drafted, drafted to the NBA. Wow. Yeah. And you go, well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there are other people who don't have Marie Kondo haircuts right. that live in Japan. I mean, you know, bangs don't spark joy for everyone. No, they don't. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> certainly not me. Um, you know, that whole thing, Marie Kondo thing is so interesting to me because it's a, it's this huge movement for people to get, get rid of stuff. Sure. But there's a kind of exoticism that comes around, you know, like, it's like, you know, we as uh, white America is buying this because it's being taught by a little Japanese woman. Sure. Who's it? You have to clean your house, <laughs> which I think is great. <laughs> I mean, but it's also that I just saw something. Some uh, There was a white woman who was on um, on TV talking about how she had invented that folding method. And, it, it, and she was really like mad. She had ownership over it. But I feel like, well, it's kind of better if an Asian person says because they're in generally like Asians are neater. <laughs> right. Which is total bullshit. Yeah. Oh, but they're good at folding because of origami. Yeah. Yeah. So they know. must they must Duh. be great at folding. Yeah. No, all my Making Japanese of most of my Japanese family members are pack rats. Yeah, I'm like, such a pack come rat. On. I'm such a hoarder. Yeah. I know. I'm yeah, trying it's... to I'm trying to conmari my stuff, but then I'm kinda like I, I did I'm like in that phase, but I got halfway through it and now I just have a bunch of shit everywhere now. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't finish. I yeah. It's too I much. Get that. Yeah, I get that. Have me come over. I'll clean it out. <laughs> you're, I have the haircut. You're neater. You have the haircut, and you can do it. I mean, it's it's such a weird thing. Now, your web series is right now. You can watch it on YouTube. Yes. And um, I want I want people to watch it because it's so funny. So, like, what was the origin story of the web series? The origin story was doing a lot of different sketch comedic 
characters that didn't resonate with my voice. It was mm-hmm. putting all these wigs and trying these voices and, you know, going through the Groundlings program and doing mm-hmm. characters like that, which were great, but didn't sit with me. They, it yeah. didn't ring true. And um, so I have, was having a conversation with my brother about um, how frustrated I was doing these these characters, not frustrated, but wanting to find something that resonated with my voice. And he said, why don't you just talk about being half? Yeah. I was like, well, what do you know about that? I mean, the mm-hmm. male experience is very different yeah. than the female biracial experience. Um, so I said, all right, well, I have a couple of ideas and let's shoot them. And then it grew into uh, a following and amazing press. And also because the conversation is so much bigger than myself, people really responded. Yeah, yeah, yeah. really. Because it's like the first time that we've seen that sort of the almost Asian yeah. experience. Yeah, well, in the comedic space. Yes. Again, everything before then was very academic circles mm-hmm. and then also documentaries. Yeah. Which can be, which are great, but they're very heavy. Well, yeah, and yeah. it's sort of like, I think comedy is the way to approach it because it is really funny yeah. to think about like racial identity it's like you you have to be able to talk about it in a way that's and it's a ridiculous thing you know that kind of thing of like not fitting in Mm -hmm. i think everybody relates to yeah and once once i did those couple of episodes it was like kicking the anthill open and all these ideas started pouring out of and i also my 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 senses were heightened if I, when I'm spending time with my parents and awkward moments of like going out to dinner with just my dad and then people thinking he's my sugar daddy and I'm <laughs> oh, his no. Asian trophy wife. <laughs> yeah. And I was thinking, God, how many times has this happened before mm-hmm. where people are thinking that I'm his hot, young, little Asian, <laughs> little Asian yeah. whatever. Mm-hmm. And I didn't even realize it. Yeah, so I it also took me just looking into the mirror and going, whoa, there's a lot of shit that I have to deal with. How can I deal mm-hmm. with it in a way that resonates true with me? All right. I have to laugh. I yeah. Have to laugh at it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's I mean, I think that it's such a weird thing, like the weird kind of like the frame that we're put in as Asian American women. Mm-hmm. It's like there's so many identities that are put onto us that are just so yeah. it's so specific. Like it's like such a weird like always the third wife. <laughs> Always the like the last wife, the one that's not going to give you any problems. Right. That's a lot younger. Right. The Wendy Dang. Yeah, Never. Wendy Dang, um, Elaine Chow. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Ooh. That's, she's shady. Yeah, both, I mean, yeah. But, but, but to marry Mitch McConnell, it's like, oh, oh girl. Yeah. You know, yeah, I use that joke. I use that joke that my parents look like from far away, Mitch McConnell and Elaine Chow, and the audience always kind of goes, Ugh. "Oh, like it's, it's just so it's like, so." Ugh. I'm like, "Well, I don't know if that's funny because it's just too real. It's too real." She's, um, I mean, it's but it's that kind of like it, the thing about Asian women that I do know is a kind of cutthroat ambition yeah. that is like we don't care about anything else but getting ahead, and that I see. You know, I see that in. People who you, you know, we, I think society likes to think of as, as victimized, like mm-hmm. um, Soon Yi. Mm-hmm. Soon Yi, I think, has really t- taken a terrible situation and made and sort of turned it around. Mm-hmm. At least she has uh, all that money. Right. You know, like, I mean, God, to marry him and fuck him, Woody Allen, oh. that's so disgusting. Do you think they still do? Oh, I don't Consensually? <laughs> I don't, well, it, I don't think it was ever really consensual. I mean, yeah, you know, exactly. because he was, his, he was the father. Mm. So, so, you yeah. know. The way it was just discovered because of the, all the photographs that he had taken of her. Yeah. I believe she was still a child at yeah. that point. Yeah. Um, and then Mia Farrow dis- discovering them, but they were kind of very sexual photos. Oh, yeah. But I think... Yeah, um, Stockholm Syndrome. Yeah, it must be some For of that. Sure. But at some point, it must have turned around like where she became kind of more powerful. I would hope... That's what I hope for her. Right. Right, yeah, but that competitive, that that competition mm-hmm. is absolutely true. But at the same time, my experience has been so different than you. I and mean, people want to project what they think that what the stereotypes are onto, where they look at me and they go, "Well, I don't really know where to place. I don't mm-hmm. know what you are." And then when, once they find out that I ha- that I am Japanese, then all of a sudden, then it becomes, "Oh, we're we're going to put this on you. We're right. going to put that on you." But um, it can. It's very confusing growing up in that space, and mm-hmm. then also working in in this industry in that space where people don't yeah. know where to place you, and then you become, oh well, I just want to be identified. I want to be right. recognized. I want to. I want rep- that representation. Like you want to be seen. Yes, and then you start leaning into the stereotypes, and mm-hmm. then you're like, what the fuck am I? This is so wrong. Yeah. Now all I'm doing is perpetuating it. But but it, I had to go through that first. Yeah. I mean, then you're um, you're in a lot of these like really very 
very important industries for you that are so heavily uh, w- the the idea of image is heavily weighed on you. Mm-hmm. So it's not just comedy and entertainment and movies and TV, but it's also dance. Yeah, which is it's really about the image, mm-hmm. and that's something something that I think I'll, I'm always fascinated by dancers because I've always had such a creepy like distrust of my own body. Like for dancers, it's like it's all you have. Right. Your body. Yeah. And it's like you use this as an instrument to get everything like and and how long does that body last you and the dancing like <laughs> right. the injuries and the, yeah. the overwork. But then I think you learn to pivot as a dancer and find out what what works for you physically. Mm-hmm. So where I feel like I'm such a better dancer now than I was 15 years ago because I found my voice and in ways to move that feels right for me mm-hmm. or that like I didn't know how to levitate 15 years ago yeah. but I do now mm-hmm. but yeah then you're running up against knee injuries and people are telling you're too old because yeah you, they don't want you touring next to some 15 year old Disney <laughs> Disney stars and you look like the creep but the dance <laughs> but professional dancers are super fascinating because our job is to blend in mm-hmm. our job is to be the wallpaper mm-hmm. in the back yeah and to make the star shine. So if I'm going on tour with Britney Spears, I'm like, great, you look nothing like her. You will not pull focus. So image, mm. yeah, as a dancer, it's everything. We don't have a voice. Our right. phys- our physicalization is and our, is our voice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then how do you sustain physically? Like, what is that like? Like, I mean, what is it? Is it, you know, preparation? Is it like supplements? Is it warming up? Is it cooling down? What is it? I think it's a lot of cross-training. Mm-hmm. I never thought I would ever start lifting weights. And mm-hmm. then I've been thinking about going and doing, not CrossFit, but doing weights like kettlebells and things like that in order to strengthen, you know, osteoporosis is probably going to start. It's real. <laughs> it's real. Yeah, it's real. So, yeah, I, I think it's becoming a lot more. It's, I also think that people are so much more health conscious than they were mm-hmm. 15, 20 years ago, that we are eating a lot better and um, dancers aren't just throwing their bodies around. They are Pilates and mm-hmm. yoga and so yeah it is a lot about that yeah a constant like really like and assessing where you are and being safe within that, that levitation space like yeah keeping safe within that ecstasy yeah it's uh modifying yeah I always <laughs> modify the movement for myself yeah yeah <laughs> always no matter don't what go I down do. to the ground and when I go to an I don't I rarely ever go to dance auditions if ever anymore but if I do I'm like don't don't make me sweat Mm-mm. I don't want to sweat. Don't make me sweat. Don't no. no no floor work. Don't make me go on my knees. Across the floor. Do, yeah, no. <laughs> do you ever wear like the plastic pants? Like sometimes I would go oh, to the dance, garbage but, pants. Yeah, they're like plastic. They make you sweat, but yeah, they warm you to. up. Faster. Oh hell yeah, that was so huge in the eighties and nineties. Brishnikov. Yeah, we yeah. all wanted to be like him. Yeah, yeah. They were the horrible roll up. They looked like hefty trash bag yeah. pants. Oh hell yeah. But so on the dancer's that. body looks so good. Sure. Anything looks good on a dancer. Yeah, because you're just a coat hanger. Because like, a, well, yeah, a skeleton coat, coat hanger. It's beautiful. But like, yeah. like every time, like I would see Ryan Huffington out and he would be with all of those hysterica dancers. Yeah. And you guys look so beautiful because everything was asymmetrical. Mm-hmm. Like the hair was like shaved on one side, long on the other side. You would wear the vintage clothes that nobody could wear because it was just the weirdest stuff. But you made it look really good. Like wearing like some kind of weird skirt as a dress. Mm-hmm. You know, these kinds mm-hmm. of things like normal people can't do. But dancers are excellent at yeah. So layer layering. Yeah. He also is just brilliant at at I think so much in dance is obviously it's about balance, but mm-hmm. he was he was so great about breaking the rules. Mm-hmm. Changing it up, yeah. as you are doing. Yeah. You were breaking the rules, doing it all. Now, people yeah. can watch you on YouTube now. Yes. So they can just, it's almost Asian. And it's, it's all... It's AsianCom Yeah. And it's yeah. all, it's, it's all, it's on YouTube, but also... Is it on its own website or? It's on its own website. Yeah. And yeah, go. I think the easiest way to find it is just almostasian.com because mm-hmm. then you can get the story and yeah. all the episodes there. I think YouTube is just such, it's such a messy interface already. Because so then things, it'll yeah. send you to some like karaoke yeah. <laughs> video that I didn't do or, mm-hmm. yeah, or then, then you'll get a political video that pops up and like that's not my yeah well then almostasian.com yeah. and then, and um, have a great time in Japan. Thanks, Margaret. Let me know if you, oh, you want red bean. I want a, a Juki red beans, uh, anything that you like eat with like a little like wooden fork prick thing. Uh-huh. And then you eat like with whipped cream. Anything from Kombini, I'll eat. Okay. All I right. Love. I'll get your FedEx number. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, something's happened to me. I think I'm finally free and I don't know where to 
Never miss an episode of The Margaret Show. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Powered by ACAST. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. It's the Kia Summer Sticker Sales Event, so give your friends something to look at. Like a B&B with an ocean view, an endless field of wildflowers, or a sunset that needs no filter. Make this a summer to share and save with a capable Kia SUV or powerful sedan. See your local Kia dealer or visit Kia.com to learn more. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-334-KIA for details. Always drive safely. Sale applies to purchase of specially tagged 2024 vehicles only. Quantities are limited. Must take delivery by 7824.